know, I wanted this role. I was a little junior for it, but felt I was capable. And the two things that came out of that conversation was, hey, Dave, number one is you own your career path. So if you want that role, you got to put your hand up. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. And here we go. Welcome to another episode of Hearts and Carts. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill. Alex, who do we have uh, joining us today on the show? Today we have Dave Thielman. Uh, he's a 15-year vet of the consumer products industry. And currently he is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Neptune Retail Solutions for Canada. If you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you're tuning in for the second time, welcome back. For those listening, if you're enjoying the content, don't hesitate, like and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, anywhere, any of your social platforms and follow us. But without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Dave. I'm singing about What an entrance. Wow. There he is. What's going on, Dave? Gentlemen, can you see me okay? We can see you. We can see you. you look look like you when you close those blinds, it looks a little less interrogation me. <laughs> yeah, for, for a second, I thought you were interviewing me. Yeah, exactly. How you doing, man? Good. You guys? Doing good. Doing good. How'd you like your how'd you like your entrance there? Uh it's exactly as I expected. Not a lot of Neptune-themed music out there, but uh, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, definitely a good option for us to go to. So yeah. that's great. Well, Is it okay, yeah. if I, I'm going to turn a light on, make this a little easier to see me. Is that better? Yeah, please, absolutely. Yeah, please do. Okay. It's like we're seeing you through HD now. It's perfect. There you go. Hey, no, man. Perfect. How you doing? <laughs> good. You guys, I didn't get the uh, the Jay's cap memo. I well, I, I dug up this bad boy special just for you. Look at it. This is a limited edition. Wow. <laughs> Yep. Did you iron that on yourself? It's never, never been worn. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it's it survived like four moves. And yeah. I still, well, still got it. It took the sticker off today. Durable product. Ziploc. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so yeah, welcome to, uh, I guess this will be our, our second interview for Hearts and Carts. Excited to chat here, man. I guess from your end, first and foremost, for everyone listening, Dave has just joined us. He looks great on video. I know we're not putting this out as video, so we we should explain. Justin and I are bigger Blue Jays fans than Dave. Toronto Blue Jays for all of our international and Dave's not uh, really a sports guy. He's not really a sports guy. No, no, no. No. But uh, yeah, and I specifically got my Ziploc Jays hat on from from back in the day. Dave and I worked on that a little bit together. So the good old days, flying down to Chicago, talking talking Ziploc versus competitors. You're making me feel better because I was always told I have a face for radio. So uh, all good. We're only publishing the audio for that exact reason. <laughs> we have the same we have the same problem. 
Yeah. Want to introduce Dave? Yeah. So Dave is the uh, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Neptune Retail Solutions uh, for Canada. Neptune, for those who aren't familiar, is uh, a retail services company that does a lot of really interesting work. They're both in the physical store environment and they have a whole digital arm, as well as a bunch of analytics. So, you know, I'm not going to try and explain it all because I think Dave will do it much, uh, much better than I possibly could. But I think for the immediate part of this uh, conversation, rather than talk specifically Neptune, we really want to talk about Dave. So I think as we open, Dave's had a big career in CPG. He's worked for a number of companies who it would be very impressive if you have not bought the product that Dave has sold at some point. They're they're pervasive in stores and we'll let Dave kind of walk us through his path in his career and his path through CPG. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Teeing me up pretty good there. Yeah. So 15 years in the industry, basically right out of university, started my career at ConAgra Brands. And like you said, lots of brands that um, the audience or consumers would have you know, known and love. Orville Redenbacher, Chef Boyardee, Snack Pack Pudding. Um, hey, Adam Sandler. Thanks for that. Yeah, I was there for about seven years, graduated all the way from the store level rep. So I was doing the rep for two years. What I did was I learned kind of the ropes of how stores are operated how distribution happens, uh, marketing, you know, uh, naive to think at the time that, you know, things weren't purchased, as many people do know, basically every spot in the grocery store is for sale. So if you, uh, you know, as as a young person, you're trying to influence, you know, obviously a lot of the head office um, agreements take place and that really intrigued me. So after learning a lot as a rep, I graduated to uh, an analyst on uh, some of the different retailers in Canada, Metro and Loblaw. Uh, from there, again, really behind the scenes, a lot of the data, point of purchase data, POS data, manipulating that and seeing, hey, what kind of trends or activities or how can we you know, improve sales? And then from there, I graduated onto the Loblaw team, uh, working on the Loblaw account, obviously Canada's largest uh, retailer. And kind of progressed to, to a senior account manager at ConAgra. I had the opportunity to, to look for a change, which I was kind of open to. ConAgra changed a lot. And I moved over to SC Johnson, where, uh, where I crossed paths with these two hosts today. You yeah, know, before on before you go any further, who do you miss more yeah. and why? Oh, God. Uh, ooh, that's a, I, I've seen Alex most recently. So uh, maybe I miss yes. him more. Just in oh, way. man. Yes. Finally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Cut, it cuts deep. It cuts deep. Yeah. But I, I, you know what? I understand. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tie. Can we, uh, can we, we not Cooper's one no, there? No take. No, there's no no ties. No ties. <laughs> no no take backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, threw me off my little spiel there. <laughs> no. Um. So at SCJ, yeah, cross paths with you two guys. Uh, obviously, um, was there for about four years. And, I, and the reason why I left um, ConAgra, went to SCJ, it was a new experience um, selling non-food and on a different account. So the Walmart business, uh, something I didn't do before and wasn't really in my direct career path at ConAgra. So I thought it's a good opportunity to try something new and uh, was able to be on that business for about a year and had the opportunity to kind of write the ship on the Loblaw business at SC Johnson. So the GM at the time, Chris Moeller said, hey, need your help over on Loblaw. And I said, you know what? No problem. Sounds like a good plan. So I was at uh, SCJ on Loblaw for a few years. And one thing I think we'll get into this conversation, old colleague of mine, he said, hey, you know, I have a great opportunity for you if you're looking for a change. And 
I wasn't uh, looking for a change, but it was a good opportunity. So I, I left uh, SCJ and I ended up at Cavendish Farms, which is owned by the Irving group of companies. The Irving family has uh, multiple different businesses that you know are in the CPG business, but also outside the CPG business, really a big uh, conglomerate of uh, companies out on the eastern part of Canada. And Cavendish Farms is their potato arm. So they do a lot of food service, uh, retail, um, agriculture, and um, they're the third largest potato producer in North America. So I thought it was a good, again, good experience leading a team, which is really why I left SEJ was to lead a team. I felt uh, I had that capabilities. And, and so I went, I went over to Cavendish Farms and led a team of four, um, running kind of the retail division under the vice president of sales there. So that's kind of my CPG experience. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into on, on why I left Cavendish, went over to Neptune, which are where I am today. Again, more recent experience, but um, with 15 years under my belt, what I thought to myself was, hey, I've got a great understanding of how the vendor retailer relationship works. I've yeah. uh, been doing it a long time. You feel like I can, I can do that uh, very well, you know, but I wanted a different challenge. I wanted to, you know, grow that leadership aspect of myself and now, now run a team of about uh, 23 individuals in Canada. Um, both managing the retailer relationship. So again, exclusive partnerships with the likes of Lava and Save on Foods and Metro uh, retailers in Canada, but also the client uh, relationship. So I have a team who would manage the relationships with the, the ConAgras, the SCJs, the Cavendish Farms of the world who want to advertise their brands in store. So that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of my career path to date. And um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a good ride so far. Awesome. So in terms of the transition from, from sales to GM, so I, it sounds like moving from SEJ, you got a bit of that leadership, but still very much like in a sales capacity. Now you're, you're running a full business, a full PL. How are you finding that jump? Yeah, it's uh can't lie. It's, it's, it's a different experience. And as you are, you know, an account manager or director of sales, you know, I would say you really have, your fingers at the keyboard still, you can really materially uh, impact change yourself. You know, you want as a more of a, from a GM perspective is set your team up for success to, or enable them to achieve uh, their results or, you know, their targets. So it's, uh, it's hard as a doer and, you know, roll the sleeves mentality, you know, you've got to really change your perspective and saying, how can I help your team to do the stuff or do the job in, in a way that, you know, would promote long-term success. So it's easy to jump in and take control, you know, uh, but that's not the, for the betterment of anyone's learning or, you know, their responsibilities and their relationships with their customers. So you, you try to just be, you know, you want the assist on the goal, not the one putting it in the net, so to speak. Yeah, that, that's something I found challenging for making that transition as well. I was so used to being the, the doer. It's like teach the person yeah. to fish versus yeah. I could do it in 10 minutes. I'll just do it myself, but then I'm just yeah. going to keep doing it over and over again versus actually helping someone learn it. And then do it. And now it's actually off my plate and they're, they're excelling at it. So that's, that's important. I think yeah. even, so if we sort of go back to the, the beginning, what I'm curious about is, is how you landed in CPG in the first place. Like, why did you decide to take that first role at Niagara? Why did you decide to be a, an in-store rep? I sort of fell into CPG was, wasn't something I planned and now I've made a career out of it. So I'm yeah. curious how you knew you wanted to go down that road in the first place. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I'll say a phrase in a second that I often use, but, um, you know, coming out of school, you know, I felt a passion for sales. I actually went to, went to university originally in kind of year one 
thinking of being a teacher. My wife's a teacher. My mom's in uh, education. My brother's a teacher. You know, and I, I uh, a, I realized I'd probably be the teacher for the wrong reasons. I love summers. I love golf. Uh, you know, next break's not really the reason to be a teacher, although some teachers are that way. And I actually hooked up with uh, a promotions company, Mosaic. Um, again, mm-hmm. often working with uh, the nation's largest brands and more of an experiential marketing platform. And I realized that, hey, you know, I, I know and love all these brands. You know, I, I feel myself being very extroverted and, you know, talking about brands, learning and then essentially selling them. Um, was something I was good at. So it kind of fell on my lap. Again, it wasn't a career direction. I don't have family in the industry. Um, Not something, you know, legacy wise that I was kind of exposed to. Um, But the phrase I often say is, you know, I wasn't a young boy growing up wanting to sell Orville Redenbacher. You know, it's not something I, (laughs) you know, from a young age, I wanted to be the uh, Loblaw account uh, manager for, you know, Orville. You know, but what, what you will find is, CPG companies um, are really good at, you know, treating people well, Um, you know, the people you work with, the relationships you establish, the kind of the culture, the environment, um, trying to make the win or get the sale. It's very um, addictive, almost, you know, achieving your targets. And, you know, for someone that has that kind of fire in their belly, like myself, it was, it was almost like a natural fit. So. Awesome. So, I mean, I I don't know how much we, we've really talked about our audience here, but goal for us is to, to enable, you know, young rising professionals in this industry to know more, to be more informed, to, you know, have insight into how to grow themselves. One of the questions we're kind of curious about for you is, you know, what's a day in the life look like for you as GM at Neptune? And I mean, feel free to draw comparisons to your past life yeah. at, at any point. And, and, but how, how do you really manage that daily schedule time and prioritization? Yeah. So with, with a handful of direct reports and then a few indirect reports that don't really fall under my responsibility, but I work with very, very closely, you know, I find a lot of my time early in the week is getting caught up on what's to come, you know, what happened last week, you know, what are the priorities to have a pulse on the business. So Again, I like understanding, I seek to understand, not to really take control, but just so when someone comes to me with a problem or with a customer or an opportunity, I already have that base level of knowledge on kind of the situation. So early in the week, you're getting your updates, you're, you're striving for, you know, reaching your, you know, we do actually our targets week over week at Neptune. So, hey, what's the week look like? Um, are we going to achieve it? Yes or no? And why? And, and even looking outward, okay, if it's not this week, what's happening next week? So I would say that takes me, you know, most of my day Monday, to be honest, you know, also I, I go up to my, uh, my boss, who's the chief customer officer, and we, I report to her directly for Canada on, again, the pulse I get from the team, and then we go up. And then I have my own broader team meeting where all Canadian employees, which I lead, talking about, you know, results and talking about uh, upcoming priorities, key wins, promotions, changes. So that's really, yeah, I really kind of say, I would say a day and a half of the first you know, five days of the week. And then the back half, I love, I love getting in front of the customer. So half of my team works that vendor led relationship, the, the Pepsis. And, you know, I was on a a call today with Dole Canada happened to be at STJ last week where I saw Alex, you know, getting in front of that customer, establishing that relationship, especially live after two and a half years of not being live. It's, it's so invigorating, you know, meeting people, shaking the hand, looking in the eyes is 10 times better than, doing things virtually. So, Amen to that. Yeah. It was nice to have you guys in. Yeah. Actually, I, 
I will say we haven't had a lot of agencies on site. And for us, it's been nice. We have we have half the team with the retailers uh, going in there, I would say, two to three days a week. Got it. Um, it's really important from my lens to have those kind of sidebar coffee-like or water cooler-like conversations to, to, again, understanding everyone's priorities because we are essentially the conduit between the retailer and the vendor. You know, how do we, how do we work with both to maximize um, everyone's initiatives? Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so just to build on the tail end of the week, yeah. you know, again, again, a few customer relationships, you know, that I like to like to attend. Most of them are still virtual. I would say, you know, we do offer live where we have um, employees both in Montreal and in Toronto. So majority of the consumer packaged goods companies have had offices there. And um, what we are seeing though, is more and more taking live meetings, you know, they're, they're yeah. also wanting it to become mm-hmm. live and, you know, it's, it's very difficult to establish a personal connection virtually. You know, everyone always says, you know, after, after the virtual environment, it's like, well, I didn't realize you're that tall or, you know, or whatever, whatever the comment is, you know, it's just like, you know, we're all people, we're all, you know, we all have physical traits and, you know, shaking a hand and, you know, whatever it may be. So I, I call it, I call it meeting in 3d. Yeah. Like there's yeah. there's well, a number of, a number yeah. of people who have had that exact experience. You yeah, just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I would say I'm probably I'm probably in front of the customer virtually or live um, five to ten times through the week for half an hour an hour and then um, and then kind of the last day is I I really enjoy how how do I engage the you know so I, I love spending time giving people pat on the back wins or you know little incentives motivating the team uh, but also then understanding too if people aren't you know meeting the podium in terms of sales that week or that month. You know, how do I help you or enable you? What are the barriers and how can I assist in knocking them down? So whether I'm with a customer or with my team, I feel like I'm always, you know, diving into the details and, and, and trying to strive for just bettering the organization that way. Do you find that in your transition, you ask a lot more questions than you used to? Yeah. So I guess I need to say, but like, I'm, I'm less than 90 days in with Neptune. So yeah. I use the phrase, hey, I don't know what I don't know. I'm not going to you know, really fake it till I make it. I'd rather seek to understand and tell me, tell me, and if you tell me once I'll remember, but I'm not going to let you talk real fast and me not ask questions if I don't know. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I am actively doing that, Alex. And, you know, I, again, I think that's really expedited my learning curve. Yeah. Um, kind of tackling it that way. I feel like, you know, from my observations, it seems like the more senior people get, the more questions you just need to ask, right? Like, just as a result of scope, it seems like as you have, you got 23 people now, it's like Dave can't do 23 people's jobs, right? And all he can do is ask the best questions to help them look yeah. the right direction, right? So it's interesting. It's interesting. And the, and the breadth of just what you have to cover, right? You can't go in depth in every single topic because you're managing so much. So you need to rely on people. You need to ask those questions. You need to push them. Um, yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you have a young family, uh, I've got a three-year-old, right? You, you mentioned earlier, like one of the amazing things about uh, CPG is that companies treat their employees really well, which, yep. which I found true. Essie Johnson, where Alex is, is a great example of that, right? Definitely. Um, so how do you manage, you know, this, because you have an incredibly successful career. How have you managed that with your you know, personal life and personal time? How do you separate the two? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not easy. Um, yeah. Anyone that works a nine to five with kids, doesn't matter really what industry, 
Yeah. It's challenging. There's, you know, with kids in school, there's drop-offs and pickups. There's sick days. There's, you know, um, volleyball after school, whatever it is, right? So um, a young, um, when I was young, my boss at the time, he was in that position and I was probably 23 years old and didn't really understand why I was leaving at 345. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you mean? I'm here till six. What are you, you're my yeah. boss and you're leaving early. <laughs> um, but now I get it, right? It's, it's very challenging as a leader I try to lead or treat people like how I want to be treated. Right. So I think it's very important that, you know, me with young kids, again, I have three daughters that are seven, five and almost three to be there when I need to be there. And um, my old boss at Cavendish actually instilled kind of a really good value in me is like, you just do what you need to do to, to be there. So whether it's, you know, um, taking the red eye home from Vancouver, Mm -hmm. I've done that a few times, you know, you have to be there in the morning. Um, you know, shutting her down at four o'clock to be at the dance recital, but having to log back on at nine o'clock to finish up, you know, I would say the one, the one thing you can do through that is be proactive with your manager and saying, Hey, I've got X, Y, and Z this week. I'm going to be off from, you know, A to B, but you know, here are the things I'm doing to make sure, you know, the ball is keeping, uh, rolling or moving the right direction. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it is challenging. It's not easy. Around with kids, um, they feel it, and when you get up to three kids like myself, you are your head spinning. So it's yeah. but it's, yeah. hey, it's 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 awesome. It's really good. Alex and I have it easy. We just each have the one. So just, and, yeah, gosh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, no, But I, I'm sitting here thinking like <laughs> like there was a period uh, recently where I had uh, I had my niece and my son at the same time, and I was like responsible for them, and it just kind of organically happened, and even that. It was more than twice as flustering to have two kids uh, <laughs> for, like, for a couple of minutes. So yeah. I, I can only imagine with three. Yeah, yeah you, you you learn to operate on less sleep and lots of coffee, but but no, I wouldn't change it. Obviously, so. Oh well, yeah, I mean, what obviously this is a podcast about about career and and an industry, but at the end of the day, we we're all human beings and we work we work for for the life outside of that too. So and it's it's intertwined, right? Like. A, Again, like you said, everyone's a human and, you know, most people work. And I would say this industry is, is at least very flexible on that, you know, again, providing with the right company and the right managers, being proactive in your communication. You know, I I know some companies have adopted, you know, kind of core hours, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, you've got to be here from 10 to 3 or 9 to 3. But if you want to be seven to three, you're eight hours in or 10 to six, you're eight hours in. That works for you in your schedule. And then I would say the, the biggest blessing in disguise, which has really accelerated maybe that uh, work-life balance is uh, working from home, right? You know, five years ago, you were on the cutting edge if you had one or two days a week from home. Yeah. You know, now, you know, people and companies are, some are fully remote, some are yeah. two days in the office. You know, I have team members through COVID um, who made life decisions and moved uh, two and a half hours north of Toronto, yeah. you know, and that's what they wanted to do and good for them. If you need to come back and meet a customer or, you know, come to a team event or whatever, maybe, you know, figure it out, but you're yeah. at least, at least you're living the life you want to rather than cooped up in a condo downtown Toronto. Whereas like, maybe you didn't like that. Yeah, you know? no, totally. That, that totally. sounds like a great idea. It's basically exactly, uh, basically exactly what that is. Which part? Which part? <laughs> moving to Vancouver? Like you? No, yeah. Moved from Vancouver. So now that I'm working remote, moved from Vancouver up to the island. Instead yeah. of a tiny condo, you have a house for the same, actually not the same price, cheaper. Yeah. Uh, you have to fly in to downtown every once in a while, but, or fly to wherever the customer is. But overall, 90% of the time, you got a house in the backyard and 
and the little guy can run around well, and, and, and you think about it right you know that is paramount and then the additional yeah. flexibility of the commute if you're doing a commute you know most cpg head offices are in mississauga by the airport or downtown correct and if you don't yeah. live downtown that's an hour of your life there and an hour of your life back you know even if you devoted one of those two hours to work and then you get one of those hours back you know <laughs> yeah. for totally. your family and you yeah. add that up over the year that's a lot of time right that's for a sure. lot of time so it's uh yeah covid really accelerated that and you know i think the industry uh, overall is is going to benefit from that from a talent perspective totally i think one of the places we want to go is just talk a little bit about neptune i know yep. we met recently and you told me some yep. of this but don't hesitate to to tell me again you know i want to talk a bit about kind of neptune and what you guys do like share yeah. with the audience a little bit about your capabilities and and you know how you how you tie into the the world of cpg yeah so so neptune if you were to rewind neptune to about two and a half years ago we were called news marketing america or news marketing canada um we were purchased through a private equity firm uh and the name changed the news marketing group was owned by rupert murdoch under the News Corp umbrella. So again, a lot of the different medias across the world, really, Rupert Murdoch was involved in. So he divested this, scooped up by a private equity firm, and now we're called Neptune. So what Neptune truly does is really three pillars of how we operate. The bread and butter in Canada would be the in-store communication or advertising that companies want to do in select retailers. For example, if Ziploc had a new product that they wanted to educate or communicate to the shopper at the shelf in a Loblaw store, they would have to work through Neptune because the other side of that equation is we partner with Loblaw to exclusively sell the rights to advertise in their stores. Mm-hmm. So we, we work on a commission structure with the retailer and then we work on, um, you know, uh, on a rate card basis or a media space basis with uh, the CPG industry. I think this is like a, a perfect extension of what you said earlier about everything's for sale in the store, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's one of those things that you take for granted before you're in the in the industry. But yeah. it's like every sign, um, you know, in the store needs to be negotiated. They don't like whether it's with the, some stores, maybe it's with the store itself. In the case of a big retailer like Loblaws National Corporation, that's you. Yeah, no, for sure. And and really, we, we, you know, along the shopper's journey, we try to be a part or help truly influence, I guess, some of their decision making or, or why or educate them on why certain brands um, are worth that extra dollar or, you know, you want to, you know, try something new, you know, so we do a lot of the pre-planning as well as the shoppers thinking about what to buy or planning their, you know, weekly visit or every other uh, week visit to their store. Um, so we have another aspect of our business, the digital media, which is, was truly new to me coming up through kind of the sales ranks within the CPG uh, vendor community. So, you know, whether it's programmatic advertising, you know, where you can talk to a consumer through their whether social media or YouTube or whatever they use uh, nowadays to feed them information. Uh, truly information on different products and no one can open their Instagram and not see seven ads in the first kind of 15 scrolls. So that stuff is for sale. It's embedded in our lives today. And we're, we are a part of that. And then if you go to the post or maybe even so pre, cause it's a cycle. Um, we have an owned and operated cashback app called checkout 51. It's Canada's um, largest app. We have 3.5 million users, which is growing. And again, you think of the macroeconomic trends, what's happening right now in the world. Recessions are looming. People's dollars are being stretched more than ever. Inflation. 
So we're seeing a really strong uh, user increase month over month, people looking to save, right? So checkout 51 is you can go to any retailer essentially in Canada, you go on the app first and see what products you can earn cash back for. And you purchase those at those stores and you scan your receipt and you collect money. So once you reach $20, we will write you a check or send you a, um, a money transfer through PayPal, put money right back into your bank account. So it's really, awesome. it's really, it's really unique. And when you tie all of our different uh, pillars together, you know, we are, we are really an omni-channel solution um, for the vendor community looking to uh, reach customers. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on a little bit. One of the questions I was going to ask you is how the retail shopping's changed over the course of the pandemic and, and now coming out of it. I think Checkout 51 is a great example, right? Usage increasing there because people are being more frugal with their money, probably a recession. You know, what else, what other insights do you have on sort of maybe what the next six to 12 months look like from a retail shopping standpoint? Yeah. And actually it can even go back to my old uh, company, Cabin Farms, really embedded with yeah. the food service industry. And you know, again, most people across Canada work on a fixed budget, right? So this is what they have to spend for discretionary. This is what they have to spend for food. This is what they have to spend on their mortgage. I've seen stats over the years, but at least, you know, it's like 50 or 55% of Canadians work on a budgetary model where they, every dollar they know where it's going. So I really would recommend that in general, just from a life uh, <laughs> <laughs> advice. But um, so with that being said, there's a grocery budget, right? So and, you know, we were seeing trends uh, with Cavendish that we're seeing dips in food service, right? As people are now having to renew their mortgages or, um, you know, other big expenses that they may have done through COVID at low interest rates, the, their mortgage now is their payment has doubled or, you know, gone up 50%. So what are they doing? Um, what actions are they taking to be more responsible in other spending, yeah. right? So you think of all the different discretionary means to, to do that, you know, eating at a restaurant, you, you could pack a lunch, you know, if you're going or, Hey, maybe you don't go to the expensive restaurants, you go to the mid tier. So, and that trickles down to everything, right? So the grocery industry from a retailer or the brick and mortar anyway, has actually seen a nice uptick through the recession in terms of traffic, what they are purchasing in the stores, that's where the decision becomes harder. So a live example is do you need, you know, and, and everything in the grocery store, as we know, has gone up somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, eight to 20%, depending on the item. Yeah. So the example I always say is, you know, you go to a Loblaw store and you have President's Choice, no name, which are really powerful private label brands that everyone knows, trusts, and has used. And you look in a category like the cheese category. You know, there's a pretty big price discrepancy on a brick of cheese, <laughs> right? There's, yeah. you know, three or $4, you know, when it's not on promotion. And is that where people are saving a few bucks? You know, yeah. can you still get your cheese and put $4 in your pocket? Yeah. You used to be a black diamond or a cracker barrel buyer. Now you're maybe a PC buyer. So these brands are seeing that a lot of, a lot of these competitive categories where private label in particular has a good presence. You're seeing the migration from national brand to private label. So where we come in is helping educate the customer on why it's worth that few extra bucks to still purchase a premium brand, right? You know, we, yeah. we call it brand equity signages where you can talk about some of the traits or some of the um, application usages or whatever it may be. And we enable, so we, we talk about, you know, we have different sizes of communication. We do couponing at the shelf, yeah. whatever it may be to maintain market share, gross mm -hmm. sales, talk about new innovation, 
product benefits, right? Like yeah, how much, yeah. how, I, I mean, one of the big challenges for us is always, how do you communicate product benefits on the pack effectively, right? right? And, you know, people are looking at a wall with, you know, let's call it 50 options. Yeah. And you want to, you want them to know why this option is X percent better. You know, I know some of the signage you guys do gives a lot more real estate and a lot more, I think, space to clearly communicate some. Yeah. And we have, like you said, we have different options. So, you know, everything's priced. And again, we sell service, we sell a product too. Yeah. And, you know, we have uh, something called like a shelf talk banner where it's large. You can put more of that communication on it bigger pack shots, bigger equity or brand messaging call outs. We have smaller options. Again, if you want to be a little more price conscious, but still get a, a very nice message out. But yeah, when, when you can disrupt the consumer or educate the consumer at the point of purchase, mm. tremendous value in that. Totally. So again, that's, that's really the bread and butter of what we do. It's really, we were made a, Hey, we used to do uh, freestanding inserts, you know, when people go to their mailbox yeah. and get a few dollars off a certain product to drive yeah. them back in the store, yeah. that business is really tapered off over the last decade or so. Uh, but we still do that if, if the brand feels that's a necessary means within their budgeting process. I'm sure there are people who would disagree, um, but I feel like physical coupons are such a chore at this point for me. Like, yeah, I, 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 I think I played in, I don't know, some maybe a golf tournament or something. And I had, I had like coupons for things I normally buy. And I kept going into, I think it was Fortino, and I kept forgetting this fucking coupon <laughs> in the car. Um, <laughs> Did you still buy it though? Did you still buy the car? And I bought it every time. So yeah, so I put it in the cart. Yeah. Uh, but like it was my like it was my yogurt. Like, yeah, uh, like I'm I'm gonna buy it anyways. Yeah. But it's just that like remembering factor. Yeah, I don't carry cash either, right? So it's like it's carrying, interesting I, though, right? So you bring up a great point, and you know, with <clears> Neptune. You know, we measure a lot of statistics. We buy all the data from uh, the customers and, you know, intent to purchase uh, versus purchasing is not always aligned. Right. So, true. you know, and then the other half is when you message someone at the shelf, they may or may not purchase it then, but you communicate with them. True. Maybe the next shop or the next purchase, you know, mm. they'll remember the, the messaging they saw, just like a TV commercial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really, we call ourselves, you know, the, uh, a media agency that has in-store presence, right? And there's there's only a few of us that do it in Canada, but we are we have the most retail locations, so we are the, the share leader. Awesome. Um, one one curious you know question I had was just like you spent the first fifteen years of your career selling physical products, and I suppose there's some physical elements to what you do, but you predominantly sell a service now. As a salesperson, like talk to us a little bit about the differences that you've observed so far. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, hey, that, that's a, it's a real timely question. I actually had this conversation, whether it was this week or last. What we do is, is part of solution for brands. So you look at a company, doesn't matter really which one, that sells to grocery stores. They typically would have a marketing department and a marketing budget. Mm-hmm. And within that, they go through budgeting timeframes where they say, hey, I need X or Y. And we are typically on the table uh, within that conversation. Mm-hmm. When you, when you rank the spends of these companies, you know, we are not at the top, we're not at the bottom. So, so one thing I've learned through this is you're really trying to always be a part of the equation, right? We want, we want just to have good planning and communication and relationships with every um, CPG vendor. But, 
you know, oftentimes, you know, those phone calls or those emails, you know, they're not immediately returned, you know, so totally so that that's, that's, I would say something I didn't really understand coming to the company. Yeah. And then the other half of that is uh, a lot of these companies work with agencies who help them mm-hmm. uh, spend their dollars efficiently. So not only do you maybe not have the uh, immediate response from the brand manager or the marketing team within the company itself, you do need to work with the agencies to also be a part of the equation to, to make them fully understand of your capabilities and your impact to, again, vying for that marketing dollar. Totally. So it's, it's, I- it's a really different relationship when you're a supplier to Loblaw you know, or Mark Metro or Sobeys or Walmart, you know, you typically have a monthly meeting with your category manager, you mm-hmm. know, it's scheduled, you're talking about advertising and promotions. And like, that dialogue is frequent. So unfortunately, sometimes just because of the nature of the beast, you know, you might not be talking to the right person, you could be, you know, their, you know, their team is small, or their budgets are cut. And unfortunately, your programs have gone away. Like, it's, um, it's a little different. So that's fair. And then you know what, like, as you say, the piece about, about email and I can say I'm on the other side of that, right? Like as a, as a marketing yeah. lead, right? So I get pitched so much yeah. that like <laughs> you become desensitized to it, right? Like at a certain, like a, a lot of them are not relevant. That's the, that's the biggest challenge yeah. I would say. Like a lot of them are like, you know, U.S only services or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm a, I run a Canadian business. So I could see that being challenging. Like, but, but again, that goes back to a foundational approach to, you know, sales is relationship, yeah. right? Having the people embedded that, you know, and again, you accumulate through 15 years in the industry, I would say, I would like to think I know someone at every company, you yeah. know, so yeah. if there's something that we do or, you know, have done and person X isn't returning, you give them a few tries. Hey, Bob, can you go nudge? Alex to respond yeah. to his email. Yeah. No, but no, it, and fair. you want to be respectful, right? Because, hey, you know, everyone's schedule is swamped. And yeah. for those who don't know, I would say marketing schedules are extra swamped. <laughs> um, the amount of meetings, you know, you guys are in uh, as marketers, that doesn't really matter. Any organization, yeah. it's crazy. So, how do you get to respond to your emails or when do you get to respond to your emails? You know, it's, yeah. you know, you got to be respectful a little bit there too. Totally. Switching gears a little bit. Um, one of the things that we like asking guests is what is a brand right now that you are really excited about? What is your brand crush? It can be one that you work with. It can be one that you just consume on your own time. Like what is a really cool CPG brand that's out there, big or small that you are in love with? It's a good question. You know, being in the industry a long time, you have like, all. Oh, I, I first think of my fridge. I'm like, what's in my fridge all the time? Yes. You know what? I really like when, whether it's two companies that are non-compete coming together and I'm into hot sauces. And so honestly, and my, none of my girls are, and my wife's not. So this is strictly a Dave product. But, um, <laughs> Dave's like, just full, full just, fridge of Dave. It's on everything. Like, I like it. And that's the phrase <laughs> that you actually hear their motto or, or slogan. Yeah. So the, the cross, but uh, the Frank's Buffalo ranch, uh, hot, like it's like a dip slash I put on sandwiches. Like I literally their phrases. I put that, you know, stuff on it. Um, it is phenomenal. Like it's like a out of the park. You can put it on hamburger. And I don't, I don't know if we even partner with them actually. I gotta think so yeah, this, this is anecdotal. You know, look for your blade and then the love lobster. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, there it's it's a really good I just, honestly I feel like I need some right now. I've already so, had it. So Frank yeah. it's it's Frank's and who? Who so it's it's Frank's, but it's not with craft. It's like um it's a it's it's the brand is Frank's. It's Frank's red hot buffalo. So it's ranch dip and it's uh, 
I believe it's owned by McCormick, to be honest. But I really got it. Got it. I, I do that sort of on my, I mean, I had that actually yesterday for lunch, a buffalo chicken wrap basically with Frank's. Oh. And then I put Hidden Valley Ranch on it. So right. I just kind of mix yeah. them together. So if I can skip a step and have it combined. Yeah, there you go. But it makes a makes lot of sense. In the hot yeah. sauce category is yeah. using that brand, you know, uh, recognition to to develop. And we talked about Cavendish doing some stuff like that, like yeah. spicy fries, Cavendish and Frank's together. And you see it across many different categories, but it's a really, it's a really, I understand, I appreciate what they're doing as a brand and the product's phenomenal. So yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. So last uh, last question we we have is kind of giving you a bit of a, a soapbox. Like I, I said earlier, this is for you know the the twenty somethings and maybe early thirty somethings who are rising in their career, and you know you've been really successful in yours. So want to give you kind of a, a podium to just tell them what you think they should be thinking about, or you know the, any advice, any kind of big insight you want them to take away as they go through their career. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind was one of my first managers. He just retired out of the industry. He was in the industry uh, yeah, 35 plus years. You know, he pulled me aside, you know, as I was kind of making my way through Conagra. And he said, you know, I wanted this role and I was a little junior for it, but I felt I was capable. And the two things that came out of that conversation was, hey, Dave, number one is you own your career path. So if you want that role, you know, you got to put your hand up. Like, don't. Don't just because you're a little junior or it's not always been done, be vocal. The other part of that uh, sentence is just because of the way things are today doesn't mean that's the way it'll be. So you're looking at your organization and, oh my gosh, all the headcount are there and there's no vacancies, no promotions recently. It's like, oh, I'll never get promoted. It's like, no, like (laughs) tomorrow, three vacancies could come available and you have no idea or you know, a restructuring or an acquisition, like the, the industry is very dynamic. So, so really, yeah, if you own your own career path and, you know, Hey, and maybe there hasn't been a lot of change and you're really looking to grow and you feel very capable and your results are fantastic. You got to bring it up with your manager and, and be vocal. And, you know, again, if it's not at that company, maybe it's somewhere else, but in the same breath is, you know, make sure you give it time and don't be jumping companies every year. Yeah, I've moved a few, I, hey, I just ended up being up my fourth company in 15 years all for different reasons for leaving. But, you know, you want to, you want to be part, you want to really lay your foundation in an organization because the one thing uh, I can say from personal experience moving, it's as soon as you leave that door, anything reputation wise for yourself or brand equity in yourself, you've earned, it's gone, right? You've got mm-hmm. to prove it again. So uh, a little anecdotal, but, you know, me leaving Conagra where, you know, I won a few awards and walking into SEJ, I told my wife at the time, I said, holy, you know, we swear on this podcast probably. Like, yeah, we're good with that. CRCC isn't here. Okay, everyone. So I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like, man, I feel like a small fish in a big pond. Like, I was like, I used to be the big fish in the small pond. And now yeah. I feel like I'm the small fish in the big pond. Super talented people. Really good looking. Just kidding. No. Um, no, it's just, it's just when you change, you just, you lose it all. So you gotta be very careful. I wouldn't flip too much, um, but flip the right reasons and believe in yourself, right? Again, through different experiences, you, you gain a lot of knowledge. You can be put in a few positions where are really easy or really challenging. They're all learning experiences, right? So you really got to take each and every experience to, to understand that. And I would say maybe my last piece of advice really is, um, the industry is very relationship based. Put mm-hmm. yourself out there, go to the, you know, 
different um, industry events. You can probably not go more than three weeks if you really wanted to attend them all. Whether it's trade shows or, you know, again, it's it's a really connected industry. It seems very big and very daunting, but it's actually very small. And I've been a part of a few different organizations. So my network has grown that way. You know, I'm connected through, we haven't talked about it yet. I thought we would already, but uh, I play hockey Wednesday mornings in a hockey league. That's an industry hockey league. And um, having those relationships over the years through charitable endeavors, through Loblaw or Metro, you just, you meet a lot of people and, you know, it's important not to burn bridges and you'll never know when you need to make a phone call and they probably feel the same. So in this role today with my current job, I, I feel and have, you know, over the last 90 days, it's really uh, become an advantage of mine having those, you know, personal connections uh, through the industry over the years. Totally. Yeah. I really love, uh, especially the piece about owning, owning your career. I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, maybe if it's a personality type thing. I see certain people come into my organization and they are generally young and it's, it's almost like they're waiting for their moment of being recognized or called up to the next thing and you gotta you gotta have a vision for what your career is going to be and you gotta share it because if you don't do those two things (laughs) the the world might take you places but they might not be the places you want to go yeah so i think owning it's huge and and i've said a few sports analogies along the way and i'm a big sports guy but you know in the same breath if you're young coming into the industry or have a few years under your belt you know, you look at a sports team and there's there's the minors for a reason. You know, in baseball, yeah. you're AAA working on your curveball, you know, because when you do get called up to the big account or the big brand or the big business, oftentimes you don't get set, sent back down to the minors. Mm-hmm. You don't get your unconditional release if you're not performing, right? So you really want to take that time to really lay the foundation for a long and successful career and work on that curveball and understand things and be responsible for a little while, you know, learning a lot. It's um, you, you don't really want to rush it, but in the same breath, if you believe in yourself, you know, Hey, you know, sometimes you need a little rope to, to pull yourself up that mountain. So awesome. Hey well, guys, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah. It was great. Thanks, Dave. Good, would, to, I, good to see you. Yeah. No, I know what, uh, yeah, the industry, the industry is in a good spot. You know, it's very challenging at times. It's not all rosy. There's always the work hard, play hard mentality, but yeah, for those, for those who are listening and uh, in the industry today, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's always filled with different experiences, different people, and you, you don't know where it's going to take you. So it's great. Awesome. Dave, can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming on and sharing all this insight and, and your experience. So thank you. Big thank you. No problem, guys. Anytime. Well, that was awesome. Dave, uh, I think Dave was kind of the perfect guest. Great career. Uh, super interesting take on a lot of things yeah. and just looked great as well. <laughs> he did. It was so good to see his face. I haven't seen him in a while. I'm a, I'm a bad friend, but he, uh, yeah, he's, he's had an incredibly successful career. Exciting to see all the stuff he's doing. And that was great. Some of the advice that he shared over his career, some of the advice he received early in his career, super helpful for I, anyone starting off. I do think there was one thing he said that, I, I feel could have been better, like which was that he missed you more than me. But otherwise, it was a perfect, perfect interview. I thought um, that was fucking spot on. 
<laughs> I thought that was about perfect. He might be the only guest to say that. So you know what? I'm going to live in this moment for a bit. <laughs> hey, right now we're 50-50. So right now we're 50 Takeaway. You, you want to hit us with a, a big key takeaway from, from what Dave shared? Yeah, he had a lot, but I think it's it's the advice right at the end that you and I both loved, which was you own your career path. I think a lot of times people are not proactive in their career, right? They're waiting for a promotion or to get a raise or to get noticed for something. It's your career, right? If you don't care about it, who will? So you really need to be in the driver's seat. You need to be proactive in communicating what you want to do, um, what challenges you have, what's going on, what you need experience in. That's really the only way to grow in your career. And I think that is um, just excellent advice. Yeah, I love that piece. I also, you know, the other one, and I didn't say it to him, but was what he said about believing in yourself, which is such a cliche statement, yeah. believe, believe in yourself. But that's true. The reality is a lot of people spend their whole life waiting for someone to believe in them. You need to believe in yourself to make things happen. And yeah, I think you earn, you have to earn your own belief too, right? And I think Dave's a super hard worker, as we both know, and and I think you got a flavor for it on the call, but you earn that belief in yourself by working hard, but you need to remember to do it because if you don't, then uh, you're going to hold yourself back. Um, yeah. So I thought that was, that was pretty insightful as well. Yeah, I agreed. Completely agree. So to Dave Thielman, we'll, we'll post sort of below the episode where you can reach him, find him on, on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way you'll find his, you know, products and services uh, in just about every grocery store you shop in. So you'll see them absolutely everywhere. Check yeah, out 51. The, uh, yeah, download the Check Out 51 app if you haven't already. Uh, yeah. Save some money. Yeah, save some money. And it's digital coupons. So if you are uh, lazy like Alex, you can still use your coupons in store and don't have to remember to bring them. Perfect. Absolutely. Um, remember to like and subscribe, guys. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And looking forward to having having you join us for our our next our next interview. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Alex. Bum, bum, bum.